Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor David Platt of McLean Bible Church. Today's topic is Reflections on Waiting. I hope you have a blessed time with Pastor David. So I want to take a few moments today to encourage you with what I've learned through God's Word over the last three and a half years and the highs and lows of waiting. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn over one book to the right. You'll come to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And if you're taking notes, I want to share with you briefly five reminders that our souls need in seasons of waiting. And I say briefly because any of these reminders could easily be a standalone sermon. And I mentioned this will be a bit unique because all five of these reminders don't even come straight from this passage in Romans 8, though they're summarized here and they definitely come straight from God's Word in different places that I've seen and studied over the last three and a half years. So I would recommend one particular book that's been a constant companion to me over the last three and a half years by Andrew Murray. The title is Waiting on God. But he walks through different instances of waiting in the Bible. In a chapter that would be two or three pages long, he just reflects on what the Bible teaches about waiting there. And in the process, you start to realize this is, this is actually common to what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's what I want to show you in Romans 8 today. So we're going to read Romans 8, 18 through 30. This is the Word of God, Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Isn't this interesting? That the Bible links waiting with adoption. As followers of Jesus, the Bible says we are waiting for our adoption as children of God, which then does make the entire Christian life a life of waiting. And you might think, but aren't we already adopted by God? And the answer biblically is yes, 
all who've repented and believed in Jesus as Lord are children, are sons and daughters of God. But we are waiting to be fully united with our Father in heaven and our family there. This is kind of like the situation my family's been walking through the last three and a half years. The match had been made. The relationship was real. JD was our son. But we weren't together yet. And now we're together. His adoption is complete. And this is what we're waiting for as followers of Jesus. We have a real relationship with God as our Father, but we're waiting to be with Him, which means we're longing and groaning and hoping, to use language from Romans 8, for the day when our adoption is complete and we're home. So how do we not lose heart in the waiting? How do you hold fast to faith when the waiting goes on and on and on? And here are five reminders I want to encourage you with today that God has reminded me of over the last three years and specifically the last few weeks. So number one, in waiting, remember that God is sovereign over everyone and everything. Remember that God is sovereign. That word means he has all authority over everyone and everything. In other words, he is in control, which means things are never out of control, even hard things. Did you notice Romans chapter 8, verse 20, that the creation, the whole creation was subjected to futility. That's passive voice, was subjected, which Begs the question, well, who subjected the creation to futility? And we might think, Satan, the devil? Well, no, look at the rest of verse 20. Because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Satan does not subject anything in hope that there's going to be glory for the children of God. This whole picture points us to God as sovereign over all creation. And then the rest of this passage makes that clear and personal to us. When you get to verse 28, as we read how God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You know what the Greek word for all things means there? It means all things. <laughs> Everything, without exception, which means even the hard things, even the worst things, God will work together for good. How is that possible? Because God is sovereign over all things. And God has a purpose in all things, which is so important. How God is working all things together to conform us in his image and ultimately to bring us to glory. This is so important because when we walk through seasons of waiting, the picture we see is not always the bigger picture. We, we sang a song here at Tyson's this morning, Never Lost, about how God has never lost a battle. He never will. And I remember one day a few years ago, singing 
That song, as I was driving in the car, I, would, I was actually shouting it. Just alone in the car. I was just going for it. As there were some things happening that we thought maybe we were going to get to go to get JD. And then it didn't happen. And I remember looking back at that moment many times over the next few years thinking, did you lose God? And the problem was, I was only seeing part of the picture when God sees it all. And sometimes God gives us a glimpse of the bigger picture. Let me show you a picture from when we were overseas these last few weeks. It's not that great a scene. We're just walking down a hotel hallway. But I snapped a quick picture because I was so struck by this scene. When you look at the left side of this picture, you see our daughter, Mara, who came home from China 12 years ago after God had used long years of waiting for children to open our hearts to adoption. She's holding the hand of a little girl named Mercy, who without going into the whole story, would not even be in our family if the adoption of JD had not been postponed. And Mercy is holding the hand of her new older brother. This is a story that only the sovereign God can write. And I'm not saying every story in this world ends this way or that way or with a tidy bow on it. I'm not even saying this bow is that tidy. But I am saying what the Bible is saying. God is sovereign over everyone and everything, which means you can always trust He is working all things together for His purpose. And His purpose is your good. Not even just your good. His purpose is ultimately your glory with Him. In other words, it's true. And in the end, it will be clear. And we will sing and we will shout, God does not lose. In the end, all who trust in God will experience His victory. Which actually leads to the second reminder. I really need to pick up the pace here. So remember, don't... Forget, never forget in the waiting that God is sovereign over everyone and everything. Number two, remember that God loves you more than you know or can fathom. He is your father who has adopted you. Do you see that word predestined in Romans 8, 29 and 30? There's a lot we could talk about there. Ephesians chapter 1, the language there is God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In love, he predestined us to adoption as his children. So just let this soak in. Amidst your waiting, amidst the weakness you feel, amidst the challenges you face, and especially on the days and the moments when it all seems, feels dark, you're tempted to lose heart, to lack faith, to give up because the longing or the hurt or the pain or the sorrow is so heavy. Remember in those moments that before the sun was even formed, before mountains were put on the land and oceans poured forth between them, before a star was ever even set in the sky, God Almighty on high set his sights on your soul. He loves you and has loved you since before the foundation of the world. He loves you more than you know. 
He decided to adopt you before a star was in the sky. I was reading Psalm 56, verse 8 and 9 a couple weeks ago from this low point in David's life when he writes, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. Do you see this? When you can't sleep at night, he sees you. When the tears are flowing, he holds them. He loves you so much. And oh, no, remember this. God is for you. In the waiting, don't doubt the weight of God's love for you. And not just you. Reminder number three. Remember that God loves others more than you do. So I have needed this reminder when I've prayed daily for my son and wondered, God, why is the door not opening us for us to go to him? And I have needed to remember that God loves J.D. more than I do. And God has over and over again reminded me who he is. Psalm 68, verse 5, father of the fatherless and protector of widows. That's who God is in his holy habitation. And this is an important reminder overall, isn't it? Because oftentimes our waiting does involve others' lives. We're waiting with others. We're waiting for others, on behalf of others. We're longing for the good of others. And we can start to question not just God's love for us, but God's love for them. And it's good to remember that God loves others more than you do. That God is love. It's his very nature. He defines love. And remembering that leads to the fourth, and I would say most important reminder. Remember in your waiting that God is the goal. That God is the goal. I've needed to be reminded over and over again over the last three and a half years that adoption is not the goal. Because if Heather and I thought, if only we could bring J.D. home, then we would be happy, or then everything would be all right, then we would be missing the point. Because as long as the goal is a change in our circumstances, then we are making an idol out of our circumstances and looking to this or that to fulfill us when only God can ultimately fulfill us. The goal is not adopting. The goal is not having a child. The goal is not getting married. The goal is not this disease or that sickness ending. The goal is not this or that situation being resolved. The goal is God. And this is so important. It's critical. It's why Romans 8 talks about waiting for the day when our adoption is complete and we are what? We are with God. He's the goal. It's why heaven is described in Revelation 21 as the place where we will be with him and he will be with us. He's the goal. And just think about how The rest of the Bible talks about waiting. Summarized here in Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And earlier in the same chapter, remember Psalm 27, verse 4, that leads up to this? One thing I've asked of the Lord, 
that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Do you see that? One thing, to see the Lord. In waiting, we need to remember that the one thing we need, and as a result, the one thing we need to want above all, above adoption, above reconciliation, above healing, above an end to the hurt or pain or sorrow or struggle, whatever it is, above all, we need and want God. So here's some practical encouragement in times of waiting that flow from this reminder. So if God is the goal, then let waiting lead you to deeper intimacy with God. Listen to Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Why for him alone? Because from him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Oh, see this. When God is the goal, when God is your rock, then you will not, you cannot be shaken. When circumstances changing the goal, you will be shaken. When God is the goal, you will not be shaken. So let waiting lead you to deeper intimacy with God. Let waiting lead you to deeper greater dependence on God. And we feel weakness in our waiting, right? We want to change things, but we can't. We feel our limits. We are weak. And what does Romans 8, 26 say? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And listen to Isaiah 40, one of my favorite passages over the last few years. Have you not known Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who, what, wait For the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What language? Do you see this? The key to going from weariness to soaring like an eagle is to wait for the Lord. And I remember meditating on this passage at one point over recent years and doing a deep dive into that word wait in Isaiah 40 verse 31. And one resource I came across said this word wait can be translated, I'm just going to write it out, can be translated to rest trustfully. And I have held on to that phrase. Let waiting lead you to rest. You can't control, you can't make this or that happen. Rest trustfully in God. And in the process, find strength in your weariness. Waiting leads us to greater dependence on God. A couple of other practical encouragements. If God is the goal, then let waiting lead you to grow in holiness before God. There are so many temptations to sin in waiting to think, act, speak from a place that's not from faith. 
in the process of waiting. So listen to Psalm 37, verse 7. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. What a good word. Guard yourself in waiting against fret. says it twice. Against worry in the waiting. And refrain from anger. Forsake wrath. It only tends to evil. Be on guard against sin in the waiting. The adversary would love to use your time in waiting to pull you away from God. Let waiting lead you to grow in holiness before God. And in the process, so one more word of encouragement. With God as your goal, let waiting lead you to give more glory to God. This is Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Wait on the Lord, and you will never be put to shame. You will never regret waiting on the Lord. All these things, remember, God is the goal. Which leads to the last reminder then. Remember that the God who is the goal, he is at work. And Romans 8, 18 through 30, is filled with awesome ways that God is working in our waiting. By his spirit, he's helping us. He's interceding for us, and we don't know what we ought to pray for. And what we've talked about, he's working all things together for our good. In other words, God is not waiting. God is working. So I want to encourage you, as you wait then, since Since God is at work, as you wait, never stop praying with faith. Because there's a major temptation in the waiting to stop praying or to lack faith in your praying. Like, what does it matter? I've prayed for three years. What what difference is it going to make to pray today? Those thoughts start to come in your mind. But God is at work. He's not sitting idly by. He's working. So as you wait, never stop praying with faith. Luke 18 verse 1 has been one of the verses I've come back to again and again. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Don't lose heart. That's a good word. Keep praying, Jesus says, and don't lose heart. Why? Because God is working. And if God is working, then you and I can and must pray with faith. One, follow this in who God is the whole parable in Luke 18 that comes after that is about the character of God I have found in waiting that we are tempted to lack faith in specific things in God I think we're tempted to lack faith in his power and God aren't you powerful enough to change this we can lack faith in his love God, if you love me, love this person, why is this continuing? Or we can question his wisdom. God, I, I see what's happening. I do not see the wisdom in this. And it is good 
to pray with faith. So just picture every single day for the last three and a half years, God, please, every morning of my time with him, please open the door for us to go to him. Please, please, please. Best moments in my faith have been when in the next breath I've said, God, I trust you're able to do that today. And I trust that you love him and you love us and you love all kinds of people you're working in their lives in the middle of this. And I trust your wisdom. I trust you're writing a story that I can't see. So I'm going to ask for these things with faith in who you are. The low moments have been when when I was praying for this and that follow-up prayer was not there. Don't stop praying with faith in who God is. Don't stop praying with faith to the all-powerful, all-loving, all-wise, sovereign God overall who is working with faith in who he is, with faith in what God can do. So don't doubt for a second what God can do. You are praying to the God of the impossible. So don't lose heart. Don't stop praying with faith in who God is and what God can do and ultimately in what God will do. Which is where this whole passage in Romans 8, 28 and 30 ends. And for all who trust in God, for all who love God, who, are, who rest trustfully in him, waiting on him, he will bring you to glory with him. Amen. And specifically for those who trust in Jesus, which actually leads into the verses that follow in Romans 8. Before I go there, I do want to ask every person within the sound of my voice, have you put your trust in Jesus in such a way that you are a part of the family of God? So here's the big picture, like bigger than any of the stories I've told here. The big picture is that we live in a world of waiting because we live in a world of sin and corruption and sorrow and sadness that flows from that. Just like Romans 8 talks about in creation where so many things are not as they should be and where suffering and hurt and pain and unfulfilled longings are a reality for all of us. All of this is ultimately because in this world and in each of our hearts, we've all turned aside from God and his ways to ourselves and our own ways. As a result of our sin, we're separated from God. And if we die in this state of sin, we will actually spend eternity in suffering, separated from God. But the good news of the Bible and the greatest news in all the world is that God loves us and has not left us alone in this state. That God has come to us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus has done what none of us could do. He has lived a life of no sin. And then, though, even though he had no sin to pay a price for, he came and chose to die on a cross to pay the price for our sin. And then, three days later, he rose from the grave. He has conquered sin, suffering, and death itself. So that anyone, anywhere, no matter who you are, what you've done, if you will put your trust in Jesus, God will forgive you of all your sin. 
and reconcile you, restore you to relationship with him, adopt you into his family to be with him forever and ever and ever. If you have never put your trust in Jesus as the Savior, the Lord of your life, I invite, I urge, implore you to do that today. Hear God saying to your heart right now, he loves you more than you know, more than you can fathom. Will you receive his love for you? Now, some that have been walking through this for a long time, hear God saying to you today that he is at work in the waiting, and this waiting will not be the end of your story. No matter what this world throws at you, you just keep going in Romans 8, verse 31, where the Bible says, God's saying directly to you today, if he is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus, who died? More than that, was raised to life and is right now at the right hand of God interceding for you. Who shall separate you from the love of Jesus? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For we are convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are in the family of God, adopted as his child. And one day, you're going to be with him. One day, we're going to be with him. And he's going to wipe every tear from the waiting, from our eyes. So, will you bow your heads with me? All across this room and other locations, there's online. Just bow your heads, just focus. You before God. Do you know him as your father? Because you placed your faith in Jesus. If the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, I invite you right now just to say, God, I have sinned against you. I believe today, I believe that Jesus died on a cross for my sin. He rose from the grave so that I could be saved from my sin and brought into your family. So today, I put all my trust in you. I rest trustfully in you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my eternity.
Come with 
Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries has the opportunities for anyone to volunteer in editing, producing the program, or even reviewing the broadcasts at our office. You don't have to be an expert. We are excited to teach anyone that is willing to learn. If you are interested in learning how to be an editor, producer, or even a reviewer, please contact us at 602-866-8999 or email us at heartandsoul.org at gmail.com.